Good morning, Akron Alliance. Good morning, everyone. We're gathered together here for our drive-in worship service. We thank you for being here this morning. We are also, uh, if you're interested in uh, uh, watching, we're also broadcasting on Facebook Live right now as well, too. And we'll see how it goes. We've kind of figured out what to do to make sure we don't have any interruptions. It's called turn off your Wi-Fi. <laughs> and that's how you fix that problem. Um, in all seriousness, I'm glad that we're all here together uh, to get together today. Um, I'm asking that you all please continue to remember Pastor Gus, um, who is, uh, has taken a couple of weeks off to recuperate. Um, and he is going to need our prayers. And I'm encouraging you to make sure that you keep praying uh, to him, about him, to the Lord, and just give him a grace and mercy and uh, a little bit of rest. Amen. That's really important right now. That's the important message for today. We have uh, people who are still coming and getting settled in, and uh, we are going to let them do that. But we're going to move into our message because we want to make sure that we get to the heart of what God is going to be doing here and speaking to us about. Um, so with that in mind, um, and just remembering to also as a, another announcement as well too that uh, for those who want to make sure that there is an offering contribution, uh, we have a box that's available uh, over on the other side of our church at the entrance uh, available for that, and it's going to be out until about 12 noon today. Um, so with that in mind, let's go ahead and look to the Lord with a word of prayer, and we're going to get started. Father, we just thank you for this time that you've given us to get together uh, as a church. We thank you, Lord, that we are able to gather together. And Lord, even in the midst of difficulty, you still shine strong in our lives. We thank you for how you have carried us through this entire situation. We thank you for how you blessed us. We thank you for the reminders day by day of your very presence. And Lord, we do pray that you continue to bolster us up and give us the ability to endure. For Lord, we know that in the coming days and the days going forward, we will need your grace. We will need your very touch to endure and be able to deal with situations as they take place. Lord, we just give you praise and thanks for your very presence today. We thank you and we ask all these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. I want you to think about something that is probably not talked about as often as it should be. It has everything to do with how you as a person who acknowledges Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior will respond when someone who opposes you turns up the heat. Here's a clue about today's message. Today's world is certainly heating up and it's about to get very hot. A very interesting comment was made on social media to me earlier in the week. And it was done with a conversation that I was having with a person who happened to be affiliated with a major social media platform. Now this platform, uh, it's not as well known as the ones we know about, uh, Facebook or Twitter. It's called Gab. 
And Gab is a um, lesser-known version of Twitter, but it actually prides itself on freedom of speech. Whereas Twitter has been accused of bias and censorship over a number of years. Gab, in contrast, allows all forms of speech, including what many would deem to be hate speech. Well, it's easy to spot hate speech. We all know what it is. We're all familiar with it. And there are limits to this type of speech on social media. And that's where I was having a friendly but pointed discussion as to how and when their specific platform makes the determination as to when a user engaging in hate speech is crossing a line. A line is crossed when there are actual threats that are being waged against another user, and that was acknowledged within the discussion as a violation of their terms of service. We were debating where that actual line was being drawn. At the end of the conversation, the person from Gab made a very good comment, and I quote, One day, the Bible will be viewed as hate speech, brother. We are just getting ahead of the curve. Let me read that again real quick. One day, the Bible will be viewed as hate speech. We are just getting ahead of the curve. Now, I thought about that comment, and then I responded, I believe we're already there. Many Christians are self-isolating in this area. They'll be brought up to speed very soon. Now, I want you to think about both of those comments. And we will circle back on this and ask a very important question for you to consider. Now, for those of you who are not on social media, allow me to add some additional insight into today's era of communication, the electronic era, we'll call it. Now, there are a number of different platforms or venues that people can explore and, frankly, get lost into because of what they're looking for as far as entertainment. There is the social part of social media and making electronic friends. But it is also an arena for the discussion and exchange of ideas. It is the electronic version of the Greek philosophers such as Plato and Socrates spending the day standing in a courtyard discussing the issues worth talking about. Or let's fast forward to today to the barbershop gatherings during the post-civil rights movement where men got together for hours to talk about everything and absolutely nothing at the same time. It is also important to point out that social media is not always a very positive place. Amen? It is an active place of cultural warfare and yes, even spiritual warfare. When encounters online take place like this, it is not a place for the faint of heart. And to be fair, neither were the philosopher discussions nor those discussions at the barbershop. 
If you lack knowledge, you kept your mouth shut, listened and learned, or you would be subject to abject ridicule. But the comment about the Bible being viewed as hate speech one day made me think. So here are my questions for you. Number one, what would you do if the Bible was deemed to be hate speech? What would you say in return? So those are the questions. What would you do if the Bible was deemed to be hate speech? And what would you say in return? Now, consider today's world and today's climate. We don't have to rehash everything that's been going on. We know well aware. I know at the beginning of the year, when New Year's Day came around, everybody was saying 2020, the year of focus. Remember that? 2020, the year of focus. Just like having 2020 vision. Well, guess what? Our eyes are wide open. We know exactly what's going on, don't we? There's been a change in the mood of the people, not just in this country, but all over the world. We have seen how our country can be shut down in a matter of days, if not hours, when a pandemic takes place. So much has changed that what seemed to be a time of prosperity has turned into a time of uncertainty. The economic recovery will be very slow. It is necessary to point out that a number of people have their self-worth intertwined in their jobs and in their livelihood. Millions of people lost their jobs. Domestic violence was on the rise. Suicides were increasing in number. Many people were looking at this time as the beginning of the end. Well, let me share this with you. The Bible, God's holy word, for many millions of people, has been a place of solace, peace, and contentment. Not just in this day, for as long as we can all remember. For as long as we've been around, we know this. But what if it was now labeled as hate speech? What do you think would happen in a time like this? Think about it. What will you do? What will you do? Well, let's talk about my response to the gentleman from Gab and his and, and my comment. I believe we're already there. Many self many Christians are self-isolating in this area. They'll be brought up to speed very soon. And I said this because any Christian who has read and studied the Word of God already knows that we are already in the last days. We're already facing what I will refer to as a covert and overt operation that declares opposition to the word of God. We're already there. We're already in this time. 
It's a certainty because we've seen it with our own eyes. And God's word speaks of it. Let's be clear now. I mentioned that there are haters of God on social media. Well, there are haters of God everywhere. Haters of God are everywhere. They're not just on social media. If you have your Bibles and your electronic devices, turn to Romans chapter 1. And let's take a look at verses 28 through 32. Romans chapter 1, verses 28 through 32. Now, for clarity, all of the verses I'm pulling from are from the English Standard Version, but please follow along in your version. I'm going to start reading with verse 28. Remember, there are haters of God everywhere. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God... God gave them up to be a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, Haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. So these are the people that we would immediately avoid because of what they believe. This is in line with my comment that many people who follow the Lord will readily self-isolate themselves. You don't want to be around people like that. They do it to avoid confrontation. Not necessarily to get away from them, but to avoid confrontation. But here's another question for you. Is this what God would have us to do? Is this what God would have us to do? It's one thing to not socialize with people like this because bad company corrupts good character. That's from 1 Corinthians 15.33. And there are many reminders in scripture to be aware of those who practice what is corruptible behavior. But let's go a little bit deeper here. Let's consider and remember that not every person who is in opposition to God is forever lost. Not every person who is in opposition to God is forever lost. The Holy Spirit is the one who's responsible for bringing even the most wretched people on earth to a place where they experience salvation in Jesus Christ. With that being said, are we to stay in isolation or are we to stand firm in our faith in the midst 
of opposition? Well, the obvious answer to this question is why, yes, of course. We are to stand firm in our faith in the midst of opposition. Well, let's take a look at what happened to Paul and the apostles when things got really hot. Turn your Bibles, please, and your electronic devices to Mark chapter 14. We'll take a look at verses 26 through 31 and give you a reminder and a recount of exactly what happened with people, with the men who were following Jesus for a good two years and things were starting to get turned up. Verse 26, starting in Mark 14. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. And Jesus said to them, You will all fall away, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter said to him, Even though they all fall away, I will not. And Jesus said to him, Truly, I tell you this very night, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. But he said emphatically, If I must die with you, I will not deny you. And they, being all the disciples, said, all said the same thing. Then it got really, really hot. Drop down to Mark 14, verse 43. And we're going to look at verses 43 through 50. Verse 43, and immediately while he, Jesus, was speaking, Judas came, one of the twelve, with him a crowd of, with swords and clubs from the chief priests and the scribes and the elders. Now the betrayer had given them a sign, saying, The one I will kiss is the man. Seize him and lead him away under guard. And when he came, he went up to him once and said, Rabbi. And he kissed him. And they laid hands on him and seized him. But one of those who stood by drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. And Jesus said to them, have you come out as a robber against, as against a robber with swords and clubs to capture me? Day after day I was with you in the temple teaching and you did not seize me. But let the scriptures be fulfilled. And they, meaning the disciples, all left him and fled. That's what happened. And of course, Peter, who we know as a mighty man of God, also wilted in the heat of the moment. Drop down in Mark 14 to verse 66. And we're going to look at verses 66 through 72. And as Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came. And seeing Peter warming himself, she looked at him and said, You also were with the Nazarene Jesus. But he denied it, saying, I neither know nor understand what you mean. And he went out into the gateway and the rooster crowed. That's the first rooster crow. And then the servant girl saw him and began again to say to the bystanders, This man is one of them. But again he denied it. 
And after a little while, the bystanders again said to Peter, Certainly you are one of them, for you are a Galilean. But he began to invoke a curse on himself and to swear, I do not know this man of whom you speak. And immediately the rooster crowed a second time. And Peter remembered how Jesus had said to him, Before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. And he broke down and wept. Now, in the midst of all this, have you been thinking about, if you were in that situation, what would you have done? What would you have done? Is it safe to say, if we're all being honest, that many of us would or could be Peter in the face of extreme adversity? It is for this reason that when we are faced with opposition, as we ask ourselves the question, what will you do? Well, here's where we should start. We need to pray for God's strength and be ready to take a stand. Amen? Be ready to take a stand. Pray for God's strength and be ready to take a stand. That's what we need to be doing. Here's a truth for you to consider. If you're dealing with a person who hates God, there's not a lot you can say to that person to change their mind. Of course, God is the one who will provide you the words to be said. Remember, it's not your job to save the other person. That's the Holy Spirit's job. But the Holy Spirit will give you what you need to say to that person who hates God. Go to Luke chapter 12. And you have to understand something. You know, when we look at scriptures like this, we've got to understand that you know, all of us are going to go through different types of confrontation. Well, we as believers are going to have to get better at dealing with confrontation. You know why? Because we're going to be facing it. As we go further along day by day, we are going to be confronted. Confrontation is going to be a part of our life. And here's what Jesus said to the disciples when they were asking him a question about when is the end coming? And look what it says in verse 11 of Luke chapter 12. Verses 11 and 12. And when they bring you before the synagogues and the rulers and authorities, do not be anxious about what, how you should defend yourself or what you should say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. You can try and prepare a speech, but the Spirit will give you what you need to say right then and there. You don't need to worry about it. Remember that we are in the midst of cultural and spiritual warfare. Cultural and spiritual warfare. Cultural referring to this country. The culture of this country. The people in this country. Spiritual meaning, of course, our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. It will continue to get more and more difficult to be a Christian. It's going to get tougher. 
We are in the end times. Jesus spoke openly about this when questioned by his disciples. Flip over to Matthew 24. And let's do a reminder again about what Jesus says to us about what to expect during this time frame. Verse 3 in Matthew 24. I'll be reading through to verse 14. As he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? It's a legitimate question. And Jesus answered them, See that no one leads you astray. That's the first thing he says. See that no one leads you astray. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ. And they will lead many astray. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed. For this must take place. But the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation. And kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are but the beginning of the birth pains. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death. And you'll be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. There will come a time and a place where people who are avid defenders of the faith will shrink under the pressure of the opposition and in the midst of great lawlessness. The haters of God will be more prevalent and more apparent in our midst. What will you do? What can you do? You can hide and self-isolate yourself or you can read the Bible. You can meditate on His Word. You can pray for His wisdom and knowledge through the Holy Spirit. You can pray to live a life of purpose in Jesus Christ. You can have faith and trust in His presence. You can lean on Him for strength and for endurance. That's what you can do. Your best defense against the opposition is to stand. Merely stand. Stand on God's promises. That's what you need to do. Take a look at Ephesians 6. Ephesians 6. It's not lost on me that 
when all those sirens were going off, while we were talking about all the problems, you know, things just don't happen by accident. It's a reminder that we need to be ready. Ephesians 6, verses 10 through 18a. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Verse 14, stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. Pray for yourself and pray for others to be able to endure. Here's the truth. This whole thing about armor of God, God has provided you with the best equipment that money cannot buy. The best equipment. The best equipment that money cannot buy. The equipment listed here in this passage is available for anyone who calls upon him in our most difficult moments. There is no need for you to be eloquent or fancy with words. To do so may be a recipe for disaster. It's best for us just to stand firm. Stand firm in our faith. It says in verse 13 to stand firm. And in verse 14, to stand in truth and righteousness in the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's power in the gospel. There's power in the gospel. Are you using this power that we have to be able to stand firm in our faith? By wearing the armor of God, we cannot lose. We cannot lose. Satan cannot defeat you if you're wearing the armor of God. We cannot lose. Please note that those who will shrink away will be the ones who are left naked before him because they're going to turn away from Christ. You have been given everything you need by Jesus Christ in the power of the Spirit to be successful. Your ultimate victory is in Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 15. If you want to turn to that real quick. 1 Corinthians 15 verses 56 through 58. 1 Corinthians 15 verses 56 through 58. This is a declaration of victory in the midst of what looks like defeat. 
but you still win. Look what it says. The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast. That's another way to say stand firm. Immovable. Always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that the Lord, your labor, is not in vain. It's not a waste of time. It's not in vain. The work that you do to stand firm, stay the course, and remain faithful is not in vain. Every one of us was created for the sole purpose of glorifying the Lord Jesus Christ. That's your purpose. That's what you're here for. For as long as you have breath, that's what you do. You give praise to the Lord for what He's done for you. Do you see this? Do you see what you need to do? What will you do? You'll remember to remain steadfast, immovable, always abounding in God's work. This is your key to overcome the God-haters. This is your key to overcome the God-haters. We must always remember that it is not you who they're opposed to. It's not you personally. God-haters hate God. You're just in the way. Let's take a look at one more passage here. Romans 8, 31. Romans 8, 31. We're going to read through to 39. Got a lot of rich passages here today that are all good reminders for all of us about what we need to do. When we face not just a little bit of opposition, but extreme opposition. Because you're going to face it. You're going to deal with it. These are the times that we're living in. You're going to face it. But look what it says here in Romans 8.31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Praise the Lord. If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. So in other words, so what if people are charging you? God is the one who justifies you. God is the one who holds you close to him. God is the one who loves you. Verse 34. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised? Who is at the right hand of God? Who indeed is interceding for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger, or sword. As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. 
Verse 37, no, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. More than conquerors. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen and amen and amen and amen. You already have the victory. No matter what is happening to you in your life, you already have the victory. So let's live like a winner. Live like you're winning. You have the victory already. There's no need to hide when things get hot. There's no need to hide. When things get hot, put on that full armor of God and stand firm in Jesus Christ. So I asked you the question before, what will you do? Now you know what you'll do. Now you know. Father, we just thank you. We thank you for your love for us. We thank you for the reminders in scripture of what you give to us. Free of charge, that full armor of God to be able to withstand all the things that Satan does, all the things that God haters will do, all the things that they'll say, all the things that they'll try to do. Lord, we just thank you for that provision. We thank you, Lord, for how you love us, for how you, how you teach us, for how you give us what we need to be able to endure during times like this. And Lord, even though they turn the heat up against us, help us to be more than those who failed and ran. Help us to remain strong and stand firm in you. Help us to be reminded that you are always there with us. You give us the words we need to say. You strengthen us with your very presence. Lord, we cannot rely upon man to do what we do. We have to rely upon you. We have to rely upon your teaching. Help us, Lord, to read and study and pray and build ourselves up. For, Lord, we want to glorify you now and into eternity. And we give you praise and thanks in Jesus' precious name. Amen. I hope you got something out of that. Be strong. Be strong and courageous. Stand firm in the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's there with you. Don't look around you this way. Look up. Pay attention to the Lord Jesus Christ. No matter what's going on in your life. Amen? Thank you so much for coming today. God bless you all. Uh, Pastor Gus is scheduled to be back next week to preach. And we hope you can join us. Amen? Amen. Amen. Thank you. Praise God. Praise the Lord.
Praise the Lord. You and the Holy Spirit work well together. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Thank you so much. Thank you guys for joining us today. God bless you. Praise the Lord. We'll see you down the road. We'll see you guys next week.